Hey there, friends. Welcome back to the Life, Leadership, and Laughs podcast. You're listening to last week's episode. To get this week's episode, you can take a look at my Patreon page, where patrons have day one access to new content. By pledging a dollar or more a month, you can get access to new episodes before everyone else, get merchandise for the show, and more. If you don't become a patron, there are still ways that you can support the show. Take a screenshot of you listening to the episode and post that on social media. And tag me in the shot on Twitter at MCLeadershipGuy or on Instagram at MC underscore Leadership Guy. If you haven't already, make sure to give the show a five-star rating and write a review so I can know what you think of the show. To become a patron of the show, make sure to visit the Patreon at www.patreon.com slash LLLpodcast. That's three L's podcast. My name is Jake McLean, and you're listening to the Life, Leadership, and Laughs podcast. Hey there, friends. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. On this week's episode, we have Thomas Johnson. Thomas is the founder and CEO of Get Up and Get Fit LLC. Thomas, welcome to the show. Gary, it's a pleasure for having me. Uh, So we got, uh, I think we got connected. Uh, I think it's the most random connection I think I've ever uh, got. Uh, And so, uh, but I, uh, I really enjoyed our phone conversation and I'm, I'm excited to have you on the show. So welcome. Uh, So uh, Thomas, why don't you uh, start by telling uh, me and the listeners uh, a little bit about yourself? Yes. So um, my name is Thomas Johnson, but most of my friends call me TJ. So I was actually born in Liberia. It's a country in West Africa. And I I came here when I was six years old. And um, I went to school for nutrition and personal training. And um, I became, after acquiring those skills, I became the, I created a company called Get Up and Get Fit, uh, which I'm the founder and CEO of. It's a health and fitness coaching company where our coaches travel to the clientele and basically bring them the wellness and keep them accountable. And um, I'm, a, I'm a very passionate person when it comes to lifestyle, comes to fitness, comes to um, personal being and um, personal development. You know, I'm also a mentor as well. And I love to read. I love to watch movies. And I just like to be the best person I could be in every aspect of life. Yeah, that's, uh, that's amazing. Uh, so you said that uh, you are uh, watching movies uh, and things like that. What uh, what are you watching? Okay, so I'm not. You big, set it up perfectly. So. <laughs> so I'm not a big TV person, but nine years ago, I kind of stumbled upon this show called Game of Thrones, and I. Became, oh my gosh! <laughs> I know, I know. Yes, and I became I I be, I became obsessed with Game of Thrones. So, um. So my thing was, after football season was over, I, was, I always had something to look forward to, which was Game of Thrones. And That's as right. we both know, if you're an avid Game of Thrones fan, the last episode aired last night. So now I have nothing else to watch on Sundays. Um, so I guess my TV is not going to turn on at all because that's the only time I watch TV is on Sunday, to be honest with you. <laughs> I don't watch TV on weekends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? Uh, so. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, uh, I love that you opened up this game of Thrones, uh, can of worms, because now I have to ask you, uh, 
what you thought of the overall season and then the finale. Oh my goodness. Um, it was a, it has been a love and hate kind of situation, you know? <laughs> um, you know, my heart was broken when um, my little princess slash daughter slash sister, Aria, you know, lost her virtue. And also, I was also ecstatic when she killed the, you know, the Night King. So, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, um, I mean, I'm not, for those of you who haven't watched it, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to spoil anything. No spoiler alerts, even though mm, yeah. it's over. But um, I, in my opinion, it has been a roller coaster, and I, I think that this season was a bit rushed. You know, mm. yeah. Um, I guess I'm, I might sound a bit greedy, but I wanted a bit more when it came yep. to the last episode. I was left unfulfilled. <laughs> yeah, no, I, so, I get that. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, I um. The uh, the long night episode when Arya took out the Night King, I was yeah. like literally standing up, just applauding oh my in my friend's living room. I was like, "Yes, oh my god!" <laughs> yes, uh, I was ecstatic, yeah. man. I I was so happy. Um, I couldn't contain myself. So I guess you and I both experienced the same feeling, you know, of excitement yeah. and just pure bliss. <laughs> yeah, uh, I heard. Um, you know, speaking about the finale, I won't give any spoilers either, yeah. but uh, I read an article that the uh, creators of the show uh, reported that they were going to be uh, very drunk and very far away from the internet when the finale aired because they uh, knew that people would be, you know, upset oh. at how everything, about how everything ends. Oh, so, so, and so, so do you guys knew already? These guys were fully aware of what, what, what was going to, going to occur. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh anyhow uh so thank you for opening up that game i've been wanting to talk to somebody about it uh since i saw it last night and my wife does not watch game of thrones uh, she's just not a fan and so (laughs) yeah yeah that's that's right uh well uh good luck trying to find a new show uh you know i i don't know if anything will ever top it actually i don't know man it's been a it's been a nine years it's been this has been my longest relationship, nine years. I've been faithful <laughs> and consistent, you know, with one show, yeah. you know. I always came yeah, back. Absolutely. I always came back, you know. I even <laughs> I even put put the, the the premiere on my schedule, you know. It was in my phone uh, right next on to the like, calendar. my calendar. On my calendar right next to my job activities. I took it that seriously, you know. So, but, you know, it's all right. It's That's, all right. I feel very portrayed right now. A bit heartbroken. Yeah. I'll be okay. I'll be okay. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll move on. We'll move on. Oh my goodness! Uh, so, uh, since uh, I'll, I'll steer it back, since I walked us down that rabbit hole. Uh, so, I think a good uh, way to get back on track, uh, as you know, the show Life Leadership and Laughs uh, Leadership Podcast. And so, one of the questions that I've been asking the last few guests on the show is to uh, describe for us your leadership philosophy and how you see that kind of showing up in, in your life. Um, my leadership philosophy is basically each one teach one, all right? Basically, um, a leader is supposed to be a person that's not just shouting from the mountaintops, but that's actually down with his employees, I guess his, um, um, whosoever's working with him, and working together in a synergistic manner, you know, you you teaching them how to be better, as well as learning from them at the same time. You know, I think those type of types of leaders um, 
make the best leaders because they're not mm-hmm. all high and mighty and they're able to constantly learn from everyone else, you know? Because um, mm-hmm. my big thing is you can never stop learning. And as a leader, you want to, um, you want to be a sponge. You want to continue to strive to better yourself and learn because you only know what you know. And if, you, if you're not able to put your pride aside to ask for advice and ask, ask others to really um, open up to you, then how can you be better? How can you be a leader? How can you be that person that others other can relate to? You know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so how have you seen that kind of show up uh, in your work? That philosophy? Yeah, so with this philosophy, um, you know, I've I've always been in a situation where I always have some type of leadership role. And just by me being myself and me always, you know, interacting and not really having this high and mighty type of mindset, I've really learned that I've, I've really been able to excel in that manner because I've seen other people who were in that position. And quite frankly, those people tend to have a bad taste in the mouth of this, I guess the subjects or the employees and et cetera. And, that, and, and normally you, you, you'll get the, that water cooler office talk where everyone's talking about that person, that leader in a negative manner, right? Without that person knowing what's really happening, you know? So I never wanted to be in that position where I felt that I was just, you know, I, I guess I felt I was, I was, I was too much or better than everyone else, you know, because at mm-hmm. the end of the day, nobody's better than the next person, right? Even though you're in that position, that doesn't make you any better or any less than the next person. Or it makes you, it, it, it gives you, it gives you leadership and authority to, to make certain decisions. But yeah, that doesn't mean those decisions necessarily is going to be the best, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. Not no problem. Uh, so uh, one of the things that you uh, mentioned when we spoke by phone yeah. uh, is that uh, when you were uh, growing up, you, uh, you experienced things that uh, no child should ever experience. Uh, and uh, it's, uh, it's, it's part of your story. And if you would like to share, uh, you can. No, this, this is fine. This is something that, um, so this part of my life, um, it has been something that I've, I've kind of hid from a lot of people, especially when I was growing up. But where I'm at right now, I feel that in order for me to get to the next level, in order for me to really allow myself to be the leader that I truly um, want to be, I have to open up. I have to be semi-vulnerable. You know, I have to open up and allow others to see who I am. You know, um, and that part of my life, me going through the Liberian Civil War, has been something that's um, I've really, like I, like I said, I've really hidden. And it's time to open up. You know, and I've been gradually opening up, and it's been very um, liberating. You know, so at a young age, I went through the Liberian Civil War. So the Liberian Civil War was a 12-year civil war in Liberia. Now, Liberia is a country in West Africa. So 
I experienced this civil war at a very young age, like four, five years old, right? Um, so prior to the civil war, I grew up in a household where my, my grandmother raised me. So my mother and my father left shortly after having my younger sister. So they moved to the States to create a better life for themselves, all right? And their plan was to send for myself and my sister shortly after, afterwards. Um, but as life goes, you know, things don't always go according to your plans. So the, the war broke out um, shortly. Um, and my grandmother, she basically, she, ba she raised me. So it broke out and it was chaos. It was very, a very, very chaotic situation. Um, imagine, you know, growing up in a household with a lot of cousins, relatives, and you are the light in your, in your grandmother's eye. You know, your uncles and your cousins, everyone is taking care of you. It's a, it's a huge community. Everyone is showing you love, right? And all of a sudden, mm -hmm. there's chaos. It's a huge civil war. There's bombs being dropped here and there. People are being slaughtered, you know? You have to leave your, your home, the house that you grew up in, right? The nice house you grew up in, the, what you were familiar with, everything has been disrupted. Um, that was basically what I went through. You know, the Civil War broke out and it was very chaotic. You know, at a young age, I saw death. You know, I saw people getting slaughtered, people getting their limbs blown off. I even saw my grandmother birthed a lady <laughs> um, and I saw her pulling the baby out of the lady and pulling out you know, the umbilical cord. At the time, I was into watching like war movies with my uncles and I'm thinking she's pulling out the lady's intestines. So I'm over freaking out, I'm like five years old, you know? I'm like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. I see her just, I see she, she's just pulling out this cord. She keeps pulling it, it keeps pulling it. I see this blue oh, thing, gosh. you know, and my, and my uncle finally, he finally sees that I'm watching and he grabs me up and takes me to the next room. And <laughs> so that's a very scarring experience. It was, it was, but luckily for me, I've been able to, um, I've been able to block a lot of these memories, um, with the exception of a few. Mm -hmm. Um, so I guess yeah. that's probably why I did, I did not, you know, need therapy in a sense, you know? Um, yeah. but yeah, yeah. So it was a very jarring experience. You know, just the civil war in itself and, when my parents um, sent for my sister and myself, like shortly afterwards, um, I was brought into a whole different world, right? Yeah. So imagine, um, originally, you know, growing up with great, you know, just a great family, cousins, family members, in a huge, like, house. You know, he was almost like a mansion, like, you know, different properties. Because my grandmother, she was very wealthy before the Civil War. She had houses, she had cars, she had, like, limos, she had all those things. Um, then the Civil War breaks out. Then after the Civil War breaks out, your parents send, send for you. You travel to another, another country. Um, it's cold as hell from being exposed to tropical, you know, temperature. Right. And a place where you're cold, <laughs> you know, it's cold. Yeah. And having an accent, having a thick Liberian accent and being very dark-skinned and having... At the time, I had big ears and long arms, so I did not grow grow into my my limbs yet. So, <laughs> I was this weird looking kid, <laughs> weird looking African kid. So, and at at this time, um, my parents were living in Bronzeville, Brooklyn, and this is this is around a period where Bronzeville was very very um, 
bad, <laughs> you know? Mm. So um, going to the grade school and facing the kids, the kids, you know, the kids could be cruel at that age, you know, but I grew mm. up in a household where I was, and like I said, I was the, the, the light in my grandmother's eye and I was always, you know, given love and I was never criticized or demeaned and then coming to another country and being exposed to a different culture and facing these kids who were mean. And so I used to get into a lot of fights because I was, I was a very, very proud um, child. I couldn't really um, articulate myself well. So that was a bit frustrating. So I used to get in a lot of fights um, in Brooklyn. So um, when my mother realized that this was not the best situation for her kids, my mother, my father, they decided to move to Staten Island, right? And move to Staten Island, um, we were given, I should say I was given a second chance because I was in a better environment and I was exposed to a better school system and it was a little bit more diverse and that's where I basically grew up in. Sure. You know? Yeah. That's, uh, so, <laughs> you know, uh, being yeah. in, being in the, uh, so I'm from the Midwest and so, okay. When you said uh, cold, you know, after this uh, super harsh winter and yeah. going through like a polar vortex and things like that, uh, I can I can certainly can relate. I can relate. <laughs> I can relate to that. So that so that hit me, uh, yeah, a different kind of way. So let's uh, transition uh, a little. Uh, so let's go down the line a little further. You're the founder and CEO of Get Up and Get Fit. Uh, work been working in the yeah. health and wellness industry for a while. Is this somewhere you always thought that uh, you would land? No, no. You know, I mean, I've always been into sports and exercising and, you know, take care of myself. But I never realized I was going to become a CEO of my own company. I mean, um, a wellness and fitness company, you know. So I, I, went, to, I went to school originally for... Mm-hmm. Business management, right? Okay. So in high school, I played football, you know, ran track, you know, dabbled in, in, into wrestling a little bit, but mm-hmm. wasn't really for me. And my junior year in high school, I did this internship program, this co-op internship program with this company called Moody's Investor Services. So there are a, a, a rating, a business rating agency, you know, multi-billion dollar industry, Moody's, invest, Moody's Investment. Um, and so I worked in asset finance and I was, you know, so my thing was, okay, after this, I'm going to college, I'm going to have a business management major. And I, after I graduate, I come right back to Moody's, have a nice job waiting for me. You know, I might make, you know, five to six figures down the line. And that was the original plan. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's funny how life works, right? If you're not going towards the path you're meant to go, life's going to smack you in your face and tell you, okay, yeah. nope, let's go that direction. Yeah. So when I went to Plastic State University, you know, I had my major as business management. Um, my second semester as a freshman, I decided to get a job at the fitness center, the Plastic State Fitness Center. While working there, everything just clicked. I literally found my home, my calling, where I was meant to be. I became a personal trainer and I was working with the staff, the faculty, the student body, the athletes, and everything just flowed. It was almost effortless, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and it wasn't just personal training. As I was working with these people, um, I was their counselor, you know, the confidant. And seriously, I, I, I literally found my calling. And in my second semester, you know, of work in the gym, they made me a supervisor. And that was like almost unheard of. Freshman, you know, and second semester, maybe making a supervisor in the gym while mm-hmm. these other upperclassmen were just regular trainers. So I was like, wow, this is great. So there goes my managerial role right there. My, my, I guess my, one of my first managerial role. <laughs> um, it was great. I had a great time. So I worked in, in, that, in that facility for a while until I graduated. You know, so I was working in the gym mm-hmm. and I was also working at the, the local um, nightclub. You know, as a bouncer, you know, I was the smallest bouncer on staff, but I still <laughs> took care of business. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's and right. I was also, and I also started playing rugby. You know, I had a buddy that um, he kept on asking me to try out the team. I was like, nah, rugby? I don't play rugby before. And after him asking me over and over and over again, I finally, you know, decided to go try it out because I played football in high school, and ah, it was a rude awakening. It was a, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I've actually yeah, have a, a scar on my cheek. Probably can see it right here. Oh so gosh! Right here, yeah. Happened, um, from the, this happened at the first practice. Oh my gosh! I didn't gosh. know the rules, so the first practice, you know, because I know I knew the rules of playing football. When the ball's on the ground, that's a fumble. You recover a fumble, right? In rugby, it's, the rules are completely different. So when you get hit and the ball's on the ground, you don't hold on to the ball. You have to place the ball on, um, towards your teammates and cover it, up yourself, cover it up to protect yourself. I did not know this. So I'm, I'm playing, you know, running, running. Cause I, I'm, I was a speedster. I'm not as fast anymore, but I was a speedster. I get hit. I'm on the floor. The ball's on the floor. I grab the ball, and I basically hug the ball and cover the ball so nobody else could grab it. And somebody else above me was like, release the ball, release the ball. And I was like, no, no. And I guess they were trying to get the ball out of my hand with a cleat, and it tore my jaw open. Oh, my So gosh. this happened during the first practice, my first ever experience with rugby. So I get my jaw torn open. I get up, and I continue playing because at this time, the, the drilling is pumping. You know, I'm just, oh, yeah. flowing, I'm just flowing. And all of a sudden, a girl was I – mean, some girl on the sideline – Looked over my way and she's like, Hell yeah, Joyce. I think I see your tongue hanging out of your cheek. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I, listen, it wasn't, that, it wasn't that graphic, but she, I mean, she exaggerated a little bit. It was, just, it was a oh, gash, yeah. had yeah. a huge gash, right? Oh, my um, gosh. But I didn't realize it was that bad until after practice and I realized I had to get stitches. So I went to the, I went oh, to the hospital with some friends. I got a couple of stitches. But yeah, that was my first experience to rugby. But um, I digress. <laughs> oh um, my gosh, what um, a what an experience, though! <laughs> Yikes. Yeah, yeah. So um, okay. So let's get back to the track of yeah, personal so, training, and yeah, yeah. So you um, at at what stage? Because it sounds like uh, between the business management experience, you finding your calling in health and wellness. Yeah. It sounds like at some point the idea for Get Up and Get Fit was born in that. So could you tell us a little bit about how that idea was born? Yeah, so I mean, originally, um, so Get Up and Get Fit was like a backup. It came, it, it came out of a necessity, right? Mm-hmm. Originally, I had a plan to create a gym 
after I graduated called Onyx Fitness, right? Because my rugby name was Onyx, you know, O-N-Y-X. So mm-hmm. I, I always had this idea, have my first gym is going to be called Onyx, you know, Onyx Fitness. And so I came home and I was looking for the domain and it was, the domain was not there. Somebody already had a domain. So I was like, eh, eh. Um, so I, I remember sitting down in my, my parents' living room while myself, my siblings were watching TV. So I have my laptop. I'm in the, I'm in the dining room, you know, with my laptop. My, my siblings are in the living room watching TV. And I'm trying to figure out how to come up with a different company. So I asked my siblings to also help me out. So I came up with, an, with the, the first two words, get up, you know, and my sister yelled out, get fit. And I got goosebumps. I literally got goosebumps. So I was like, how about get up and get fit? And I was like, ooh, that sounds dope. That sounds <laughs> crazy. That, and, and I had goosebumps all over my body. And I realized that was the name for my company, you know, so... I created a company, and I mean, I when I create when I created the the name, I just had it as, I mean, I I, ha- I had the domain on the side. It wasn't active. I just had a company name and the idea, and that was it. Um, at this time, I was actually working at David Barton Gym. All right. Um, after after I graduated college, I worked as an independent trainer, and I realized that I wanted more experience with working in corporate a corporate setting. Mm-hmm. So I started working for David Barton Gym in um, New York City. And while working for David Barton Gym, I was still playing around you know, with my company, putting together the domain, playing around with the different websites. So my company actually, it came together gradually. It wasn't something, it wasn't an overnight success. It wasn't anything that just came together within a year or two years. This was gradually, this was as I progressed, I added to my company, my company progressed. So that everything I've learned along the years, I, I basically threw it towards my company and I, it formed over time. So mm-hmm. from becoming a, a personal training company with what I originally had in mind, it became a health and fitness coaching company. Um, while working in various gyms, you know, I saw an ongoing trend where I, I, I would see people rush to the gym um, around New Year's to fulfill the New mm-hmm. Year's resolution, right? Mm-hmm. And there'll be everyone will be so ecstatic. Yes, I'm gonna lose 20 pounds. I'm gonna look this now. I'm gonna look so good in my bikini. I'm gonna look good for Miami. <laughs> and <laughs> and by the time February hit, like 75% of the people that were so ecstatic in the beginning, they were just like die off, you know. Mm-hmm. But the gyms will continue to charge them despite this, despite the absence. The gyms will continue to charge them. And I told myself, this is crazy. There's no accountability, you know? This is mm-hmm. what's lacking in the fitness industry, the lack of accountability. You know, this is not a sustainable method. You know, honestly, the, gym, the gyms want to make their money. That's how they make their money. Um, but it's not sustainable. But even with the personal trainers, um, I would see trainers working with the clients. And they would have great, I mean, Mind you, they would have great sessions with the clients while the clients were at the gym. But after the clients left and went back home, there was no, there was no accountability. There was no communication, you know. And how can you sustain something if there's no accountability, right? That's not a mm-hmm. sustainable approach right there. So I told myself, okay, TJ, what can you do to fix this, you know? 
Yeah, sometimes I talk to myself. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. Me too. You know, I ask myself, yeah. what can I do to fix this? And I decided to really um, come up with a, a coaching system. Mm-hmm. So the idea was to have, you know, have vetted trainers, right? Put them through the process, vet them, um, make sure they understand exercise science, um, you know, anatomy, physiology, and also understand um, how to deal with customers, how, how to deal with people, not just customers, but, 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 but people, individuals, mm-hmm. right? Um, mm-hmm. And have them go to the clients, right? So my, so yeah. my coaches, now they're traveling to you. Now, if somebody's coming to you, there's no way you could give an excuse to not work with that person. Because they're coming to yeah. your door. It could be cold. It could be hot. It could be windy. You're still getting that training going. But yeah. I want to take a step further. So I was like, you know what? Okay. I don't, want, I don't want to do what everyone else is currently doing, which is not sustainable. Let's create a coaching system. So even after your, your trainer, your coach, they leave you, we still keep you accountable. We keep you accountable for your stress, for stress management, you know, your posture, mm-hmm. your nutrition, and so forth. Then I also, I linked up with another person down the line that had a similar system that I had um, this 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 um this guy, which is a friend of mine right now. He has he had a, a massage therapy company. He mm. had a method where his massage therapist they travel to you. So I decided to bring him on board as an affiliate. So I told myself, okay, so I'm going to just bring the whole wellness to the clients. This way, there's no excuse. You know, sure. I'm yeah. going to provide them the accountability system. I'm going to provide them all the t- all the necessary tools they need to keep to keep their body um, well. You know, so I linked up with a, you know, a holistic wellness coach um, in, in California. I linked up with this massage therapist in his company in Jersey. And, and what I've been doing, I've, I've been just linking up with different people within different sectors um, to add to my company. And my main thing is, like I said, is to provide our clients with the tools, necessary tools needed for them to live a sustainable lifestyle, an optimal lifestyle. You know, and it's been it's, it's been great. You know, it's it's been successful, and the like I said, I, I mean, I guess I I would say the the return on investment is higher because if you work with a person that's helping you get better, that's giving you the necessary tools to better yourself. You know, for a long term, you would like to work with that person for a longer time. Yeah. But my goal has always been not to just work with one person for a long time. My goal is to equip you with the tools needed, help you to really um, fix those negative habits, right? Because um, like I said, I believe in sustainability. To help you correct those negative habits, then leave you, leave you, um, then go to the next person. Yeah. You know, there's so many people within the United States that need coaching. Every successful, you know, athlete, business person, they attribute the success to having a good coach. So why not have a, why not get yourself a health and fitness coach? Everyone needs a coach. I I, I have a coach. <laughs> everyone yeah. everyone needs a coach. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so you kind of hit uh, on my uh, how has the business kind of grown? Uh, so uh, I want to uh, thinking back to all of your experiences, uh, things that have yeah. things that have made your story. What have been kind of the most uh, impactful, maybe the the turning points at, at each step along the way to where you are now that has 
uh, yeah, just what has impacted you the most? Me, um, I'm going to highlight two different things, okay? The first thing is personal development. Um, so I've, I've, my, I have a best friend named Aquarius. So him and I have a, we have a very, very similar mindset in terms of the books we read and always trying to make ourselves better, you know? Mm-hmm. And one day we decided to keep each other accountable. So we, we, we came up with this plan to hop on a call every Monday at 8 p.m. to keep ourselves accountable. So we, we, couldn't, we, called, we called these calls our accountability call, our Monday accountability calls. And that actually started us off on a, on a great path because um, every time I grabbed the book that was about personal development, I'll share with him and we'll go over like the, go over like the material in the books that we've learned um, and also the, the various podcasts and just the various lessons and goals for that week. And it has really, really um, made me better as an individual, you know, as a friend, as a businessman as an employer and so forth. So personal development, I, I would probably say is the first. Mm-hmm. Um, the second is being able to go back to my alma mater to talk to the college kids, to share my story with them. Yeah. You know, because most of these kids, they feel that nobody gets them. They feel that, okay, you're an adult. You don't get it. You know, you know, you've been, you've been out of school for a long time. You understand how I feel right now. You can't relate, but by me going back to Plattsburgh State and really sitting out with the college kids and looking them in the eyes and just being loose and just hanging out and not, like I said, once again, not being high and mighty, just being at their level and sharing my experience with them in a way they can relate and just being authentic has been life-changing. Has been life-changing. Because when, when I go to Plattsburgh, I sit on a desk, you know? I'm, I'm hanging out. I'm not... I'm not, you know, sitting in front of the room giving a, giving a PowerPoint lecture. No, right. I'm hanging out. We're having a conversation, you know. And I've, I've found that by sharing your story and being authentic, it really allows others to open up as well. It's almost like giving them the permission to open up. Yeah. You know. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I'm. Uh, that's what I'm preaching over here with the college students that I work with. And so that's, that's uh, awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So um, as uh, my final wrap-up question for you, uh, if you had to uh, give, and you kind of touched on this already, if you had to give a single piece uh, of advice to uh, the people who are listening, uh, Mm -hmm. what would you say? Don't be be afraid to take risk. You know, Um, on the other side of the comfort zone, lies, lies, abundance and so much more opportunities but you just have to be you just have to you have to take that next step you have to be willing to get past that discomfort and take that next step yeah it's where the magic happens definitely definitely yeah Yeah. uh tj thank you so much for being on the show it's been uh it's been so great uh talking with you (laughs) and i am so happy that we got connected uh, be and having you on the show, it just it means a lot, and so I thank you for sharing your story, Jake. Man, it's been a pleasure, man. I I definitely appreciate you, you know, allowing me to come on your show. Yeah, and, absolutely. And 
and by sharing my story, man, because like I said, this is this still new. This is still new to me, you know. Yeah. Um, by sharing my story, it's uh, like I said before, it's, it's liberating. You yeah. Know? I'm becoming more comfortable and comfortable each time I do it, which is, um, I wasn't expecting this, so I really appreciate you allowing me to come on your show to share my story with the world. And thank you, listeners, for listening to today's episode. Remember that you can follow the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. You can follow the adventures of my speaking and coaching business by subscribing to our mail list at www.jakespeaks.org. You can follow me on social media, both Twitter and Instagram, MC Leadership Guy. If you're taking anything away from the episodes that we're putting out, make sure to leave a five-star review and rate the show. Let us know what you're taking away from the show. And if you haven't already, make sure to take a look at my Patreon page. Our patrons enjoy day one access uh, by pledging just a dollar or more a month. You can check out the Patreon at www.patreon.com slash LLLpodcast. That's three L's podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, take care.